0: To inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Ronnie Tejavi, CEO and co-founder of Highball. The restart around covid has a very
1: good impact from, you know, 18 months Redford perspective. We were more focused, really made a crystal clear vision. So we all understand what we do and why we do like all hands on deck. Let's make sure that we cross this uncertainty together. We slow down our expansion to the US because we were new there and we doubled on you know, the markets that we felt more comfortable, Europe, UK, Israel. We tried not to cut our budget in engineering. Yeah. Because we knew, you know, at some point it will be over. So we really want to take an advantage and speed up some other projects that we thought are relevant. This is Ronnie.
0: He has over 25 years of experience in multinational high-tech companies. Prior to setting up HiBob, he was an entrepreneur-in-residence at the Silicon Valley-based Biesemer Venture Partners. He is a strategic advisor and co-founder of Team 8, Cybersecurity, a powerhouse developing disruptive tech in the cybersecurity space. Ronnie was also the co-founder and CEO of Contendo, a content delivery network which in 2012, just four years after it was founded, was acquired by Akamai for over $300 million. This is the second time that Ronnie features on my podcast. The first episode was launched in December 2019. The reason why I invited him again is to hear about his story of what happened after that, and in particular, how they have navigated the effects of the pandemic. We explore what happened with HiBob the moment Covid kicked in in March 2020. How did Ronnie and his management team shift their focus? What became the critical priorities and why? And what decisions did they take to not only survive, but actually come out stronger as a business? By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, the critical things to refocus the business on when a crisis kicks in, especially if you don't know if its behavior will be U, V, or for example, W-shaped. Secondly, what to do differently to ensure you will come out stronger from a crisis. Thirdly, why you should be on your marks not to BS yourself and how to avoid that in a smart way. And fourthly, Why a crisis is a great opportunity to grow the bonds inside the business, the alignment and everyone's commitment. Hi, Ronnie. Glad to have you on my podcast again.
1: Nice to be here again.
0: How are you? Very well, very well. And yeah, I mean, I saw a post on you on LinkedIn. I reacted to that and a sort of triggered the conversation. So many things have changed. That's what I would like to get a discussion on. If you wind back the clock to March 2020, when the whole COVID pandemic started, what happened to your company? And what started to wake you up at night? What what, what were you afraid of?
1: Yeah, March 2020 will be remembered like what happened in the beginning of 2008 with the Lehman Brothers. You remember the crisis. I think like many other companies, everybody were forced to stop and forced to think about what does it mean. The uncertainty was so uncontrollable in a way that you have to predict, you know, what will be next. So when you run a business and you have experience in running a business, and for me, this is the third crisis because I was there in 1999, 2000, and then in 2008, now again, I knew that you have to take care of your burn rate Whenever yeah. you get to uncertainty, you have to think about your burn rate and you have to think about your ability to forecast and to you know meet your uh, business target. And of course, more than anything else, the people. Well, you have a team. A week ago, you hired people because you thought you'd grow. And two weeks after, you don't know what's, what's going to happen with you know, a guy that you convinced to join your business.
0: True, exactly. So,
1: so huge uncertainty, it was combined with, Uncertainty related to your personal life, a family, parents, friends, community. So everything together. What we did, I'm talking about 18 months retro perspective, was yep. with absolutely the right move. We decided to, within two weeks, to be prepared to adjust ourselves to our burn rate. So, so how we significantly reduce a, our burn rate. For example, renegotiating the agreements we have with our landlords, cutting salaries. So all the employees cut their salaries in 10%, C level at 20%. Yeah. So like every aspect related to the daily operations of the business, we reevaluated. But was the one that
0: helped most in this respect?
1: Was the fellow. The arrangement that in Israel and in the UK. And then, and then in the. US, that allows us to uh, send people for a fellow for uh, I, I think it was the beginning three months, and we have to decide who would go to the fellow and who would stay. So without that, we have to really lay off so many employees. Um, but in this fellow exercise, we cut or we put on hold because of the fellow arrangement, about 30% of our headcount, three zero. 0 well. It's a lot. And the moment we realized that we kind of understand what's going on, and on top of that, we suddenly found that the situation around COVID, you know, work from home, work from office, and we realized that Bob is a mission-critical platform for businesses, sure. then we pull back people from fellow to start working for us. In parallel, we were in the middle of raising capital, so we have to pause in this process. It was
0: impossible to raise capital in March, April, 2020. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I've interviewed a couple of people around this whole topic of resilience, and some of them actually accelerated the whole funding process, also to have a little bit more cash and yeah, war power.
1: But it really depends at what stage you were in raising capital. Just getting the attention of investors in march and april again they were have to deal as well with the uncertain you know was it the u behavior is it the w is it the v like there's so many presentation and slides on how to describe the crisis but all in all um, i think we at the end of q2 2020 so in june we knew that the business is solid and then we raised our series b
0: yeah. Did you, I mean, how did you kind of start to see that? Uh, how did you get that, got that confidence back? Was it, for example, that you saw initially a hesitation from customers to invest and then an acceleration? No, they were not
1: available. They were so busy, especially the, our buyer, HR, to deal with the internal yeah. the crisis. They were not ready or they were not, they were not <laughs> available to take calls because they were heads down with helping their companies. But what we saw that we will reach our Q2 numbers. So March was end of Q1. April was already in Q2. But we realized that we will hit our target, the original target for, for the quarter. And then, and then we saw a big momentum you know, on the second half of 2020, yeah. all the way to where we are
0: today. Yeah, I mean, I believe also that, especially in the space where you're in, in the HR space, and typically the talent part is where the acceleration really started to happen, and possibly faster than we could ever imagine because of the whole digitalization run. Exactly, yeah. and,
1: and you have to react fast, very clearly, you have to be extremely transparent with the team, with your executive, you know, come up with a clear plan and objectives, and make sure that everybody aligned on what we're doing and why we're doing it. So for example, we, for all those employees who agree to cut their salaries, we allocated kind of compensation package after we close our B round. You know, thanking them for their contribution to tightening the business in a way. Um, so for us, I would call it the restart around COVID has a very good impact from you know 18 months retro perspective. We were more focused. Really made it crystal clear vision so we all understand what we do and why we do like all hands on deck let's make sure that we cross this uncertainty together
0: yeah so i mean to talking about that did you do anything specific to further sharpen your vision and to get it alignment really crystal clear like you say of course we slow down
1: our uh, expansion to the us because we were new there and we doubled on you know, the markets that we felt more comfortable, Europe, UK, Israel. We tried not to cut our budget in engineering Yeah, because we knew, you know, at some point it will be over. So we really want to take an advantage and speed up some other projects that we thought are relevant or we already committing. We also understood in a much better way the challenges around the way people will work through COVID or after COVID, so modules, features related to the hybrid way of work were developed or accelerated. while we were facing the outcome of the pandemic mid 2020, and it always it always great to have. This is a com- something related to the company DNA and culture that is a crisis, and people are really sharpening their. Mind, their thoughts, their actions, the way they manage the team. And I think we were fortunate to, you know, cross this unbelievable storm successfully. And by the way, I don't think it's the end. We will have to deal, you know, with the pandemic in the next coming years. So this, you know, flexibility, hybrid, whatever you call it, will stay with us, I think, for the future. So work from home, work from office, work from anywhere. Hybrid, those buzzwords are not anymore buzzwords, they are reality.
0: What interests me, I mean, if you look at how HR is perceived in a company before COVID, after COVID, has anything changed there in oh, terms yeah. of its importance?
1: Absolutely. I think one of the huge impact in the market related to the HR persona, I think pandemic pushed the HR profession to the spotlight. 2020 is the year that HR leaders took the front seat. So think about the important role they have and them taking the lead in discussions and projects related to the company, you know, wider business strategy and future plans because everything was tied to the fact that the world of work is shifting. You know, the you work from home, you work from the office, the hybrid, how you deal with the employee mental health, how you deal with the work-life balance when you work from home, how you run HR practices that you were used to do for decades in a face-to-face meeting, then you are forced to do it remotely. How you board 50 or 100 employees, new employees every month in different offices? How do you do the orientation and you make sure that they're all getting the same level of service from, from the business? So it is true that HR were important before, but I think the pandemic was basically the year that they got the spotlight. And I think for a reason, I imagine if you measure how much time HR leaders were talking in management meetings and board meetings, I would say more than 50% of the discussions were led by HR or the C-suite. And they were all related to people. It did sure. not happen before. Like you talk about HR, you try to get like data about attrition, retention, salaries for the business was you leave or you die if you really have the right team and then obviously the right technology to deal with this uncertainty
0: related to the pandemic. Yeah. I you keep the culture going, how do you keep performing as a team rather than individuals, all of these things, they start to play a much bigger role. Let me make a small interruption here. Ronnie just made an excellent remark about the essence of having a clear vision in times of uncertainty. Vision is critical to align every aspect of the company and to end up with a situation whereby the total is bigger than the sum of its components. Vision protects direction. It gives hope and trust. It drives energy. And that's required when times get tough. And this is a trait that remarkable software companies master. They understand that together they are stronger, that there is no map, that they all have to step up to battle adversity and come out stronger as a consequence. Being aligned around a strong vision just makes that so much easier. And you can master this trait as well. I have two options for you to start. First, read or listen to my book, The Remarkable Effect. And you can find that on amazon.com. Secondly, get interaction right away. And surround yourself by a group of like-minded people, tech founders, and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths, and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com and see the videos where many of your peers share their experiences with our tribe and what they have come to value most. Back to the interview. So the change came. The market started started to react to that. You had two camps. One campus in. The, one campus really had to, had to shift up in terms of getting rid of yeah, the actually technology that holds them back. So, how did you, as a yeah, in the stage where you are, what choices did you make to leverage that and to benefit from it, to accelerate your growth?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, it was you know don't forget that we went to these challenges as well as as organization. There's no difference between us and other companies. So we had to furlough employees. We have to move to, you know, work from home and work from the office and the hybrid yeah. and, you know, everything, you know, whatever we pitched the industry, we, we felt it, you know, on a daily basis. So it's kind of give you a perspective and understanding on what other companies, you know, been through the, the pandemic. Yeah. So we find ourselves, whatever we prepared and published internally, guides, To do or not to do, how you make sure that the managers understand the new role. So it was really obvious for us to why don't we share it with our customers. So we started with best practices internally. What is the right way to follow employees? And then we use that when we, you know, with our customers and prospects as well. Secondly, when you think about, okay, people now working from home, so how you keep the interaction and the connection with them how you collaborate with them. So whatever we were forced to deal with as an organization, we use that
0: in you know, helping our customers you know, dealing with this situation. From a sales perspective, have you seen maybe a shift in terms of where the focus is or where the balance has gone to like install base, new business, any changes on that level?
1: When you try to define what is mission critical, there are you know, list of parameters that make it easier for you to understand Are you're a mission-critical, yes and no. I don't think HR tech were mission-critical years back, but I think today, if you don't have the technology and the right technology, then you are, you are behind. Yeah. So we saw, for example, we saw that the sales cycle, cycle became shorter than before. Good. Uh, You're okay. Indication that it's a mission critical. We saw that exactly. uh, the, the time go li- The time to go live. So since you signed the agreement until you want to be up and running, was was dropped from about 100 days to less than 60 days. And We saw that the overall usage of the platform increased dramatically. So. And many models. For example, we have a feature called shout-out when then you can post announcement, you know, for all employees, only for the managers, only for HR, and we saw a significant increase in in shout-outs. It was very important for, for team members and managers to share and to give, for example, kudos to their people. The engagement around surveys was on fire. Companies use surveys again and again and again. And it, it was very clear. I think those who are using the right technology, we noticed that they increased the workforce engagement and communication. We saw a correlation between, you know, adapting the right technology to productivity and satisfaction, and more specifically when people are working from home. And I think also driving employee culture communication, engagement, you know, those things that were important before, but today you live or you die if you really know how to nurture your culture when people are not interacting physically. True, exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm taking that into account and like playing with that across the last 18 months. I mean, of course, you've ended up in a company that's possibly more remote than it is office-based. Have you done any specific changes that help you to get started stronger out of of this space. What are examples of that?
1: Yeah, so we always believed in flexibility and allowing people to work from home. But it was kind of nice to have a best practice for specific individuals. But we are today, we are a great believer in this hybrid way of work. We think that flexibility and allowing our employees and our managers to decide about What is the right recipe that works efficiently for them? Two days in the office, three days in the office, and allow people to do five days in the office, or you can work from the office, you can work from anywhere. I think, so far, we think this is the right decision. By the way, when we talk to our customers, and we have about 1,400 customers, most of them will keep the hybrid, maybe two to three days a week, at the office and we also hear that a company that will insist of getting the people again to five days at the office, it will be more challenging for them to get new talent nor to retain their existing employees. A hybrid was something that was nice to have. It was a kind of a perk you give to your employees and it become, it
0: is best practice, at least for us. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So, I mean, what, if looking back at the, the last 18 months and like the lessons, the resilience lessons that you've learned, what do you believe are three or well, you, the, the top resilience traits that you have to develop as a company in order to yeah, cross those type of challenges? Possibly they're coming, they're coming more in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I think from the manager perspective, C-level and of course CEOs, I think it's all about building the trust and being transparent with the team. Yeah, you have to tell your people, your managers exactly what do you do and why do you do and where you want where you want to go, so they will know exactly why you're doing stuff, why you are cutting ten percent of the salaries or why you furlough employees and why you think it's something that you know, with the right objective condition, you know, health or whatever, we will recover. So trust and transparency, always great, but they are extremely important in crisis. And then focus, just focus on the right things. There are so many things that are nice to have. Yet you, you don't pay attention to, you know, extra positions or you pay something for a platform that nobody's using anymore. So it's, it was kind of restart for a business. And if you have a good team and you build the right DNA from the get-go, then actually, instead of really shaking the, completely the building you're in, it's basically the opposite. It's, it's strengthening you know, the foundation of the building because you, go, you went through the crisis with everybody and you did a good job to recover. And I'm not underestimating the other businesses in, for example, tourism and you know, travel or whatever. And it was a disaster for them anyway, because they have to shut down their business. But still, they, you know, at least in the past six months, the markets are recovering. And I'm very optimistic about the, about the future. I think what we see right now with the pandemic, you know, in a regular world, it should have taken like four or five years and everything was really accelerated into weeks or even months.
0: And sure. So we are in a, across the board. We are, we are in a new era. Completely agree with you. Talking about the aspect of focus that you were talking about, have you done anything different this time to kind of to ensure that everybody gets the right focus? Have you got make decisions in different ways?
1: Yeah, first of all, don't bullshit yourself. I mean, when you see stuff, You have to read them and acknowledge them, and and people expect you as a CEO to react. So you have to look at what you see around you, face value, and, and, and make decisions. Secondly, make sure that your management team are aligned and they really understand the situation, and you explain to them the implications of the situation, and then trust and transparency. Yeah, true. Again and again and again. Like, when you talk to your people, you have to talk about everything. You have to share the numbers. You have to tell them how much you burn, how much you would like to cut. Why, if you cut A, B, and C, what does it mean about your future? If they understand it and you trust them, they will be with you. That's true.
0: Yeah, I've heard and that so, so many times so, uh, uh, of, with other interviews as well.
1: Sometimes hard decisions in you know in one shot not like you do it in waves, makes everything, you know, you basically reduce the noise around the uncertainty. Of course, you cannot control everything, but at least you communicate why you did A versus B.
0: Yeah, that's a good one as well. To one shot, kind of get it over. Of course, everything is, I mean, there's also elements that you don't know yet, you know, but it's being, being transparent about it as well. That, that helps. Saying, okay, we, we don't know yet, but kind of following this, we at least make progress, and then we know. Great point, great point. Yeah, the part around not bullshitting yourself. <laughs> have, you, have you got any tests that you hold the, kind of b- the big decisions against? It's about your personality. Do you sell
1: to yourself? I mean, you have to sell, you have to be optimistic, you have to be, you know, otherwise you cannot survive. But then when you're alone or when you sit with your CFO or with people you trust, you have to stop selling yourself and you have to look at the reality and if if you don't read the map correctly get other people that you rely on or you or you trust to help you read the map and then agree or disagree about what does it mean to read the map and don't do it by yourself because you are biased and you have exactly. your you are you're emotional about stuff so if you're surrounded by smart people Brave people that they have no fears to tell you exactly what they think and why they think, then you're lucky.
0: Yeah, that's exactly also a key ingredient of, of building the team, and having the right people around you. Last question: Did anything change to the way you structured your business? One one example for I recently interviewed the CEO of Zeneta from Norway, who said. We were always very much siloed, you know, marketing and sales and and product management and R&D and these type of traditional cycles. And he also had always had a lot of arguing against kind of breaking those silos away and breaking the barriers where with the pandemic and the changes that that needed to happen, he just got with that, broke with those type of the rules there. And he started to kind of build cross-functional teams. And that really helped him to get things to the next level also because of an alignment thing.
1: I absolutely understand his feedback, but my answer goes to people. I think when you onboard employees remotely, you don't see them. There is no level of personal engagement with them, physical engagement. And you need to recruit them, right? And then onboard them and then train them. And you do everything remotely. I think this is a big challenge and it's not only that we have built the tools to help company do it, but also I think we came to a level that the level of satisfaction, you know, we hear from, we hired 140 people, new people to the business since the beginning of the year. Wow. And the feedback from the new hires about the onboarding and about the experience of joining a business was way better than we had two years ago because everybody was so into it and maximizing, you know, I did the briefing and then we kind of managed to do a, a workshop for new employees and everybody were presenting and talking and you have one-on-ones and, and we did round tables. So we invested a lot in communication and we, did, we are doing still a monthly all-hands meeting for two hours with the team. q as So I think it helps people um, feel more welcome and more engaged with the business. And I think it is important. Of course, cross-function, you know, the example you gave is also extremely important. But I think the people-to-people interaction was key.
0: And that's what it's all about at the end, you know, because the fact that you are in a particular silo doesn't mean that that you're not allowed to talk to the others or the opposite. It's you should talk to the others and that's that's the train I spoke to what 's her name to do it at some point on the podcast, and she made this point also about like you get a lot of you can get a lot of speed department by department, but you also get velocity that's where kind of everything starts to align between there yeah. yeah great. any advice or, or key takeaway from you after the, this period of pandemic to other people they say, "Hey, do this and don't do that
1: yeah, I think we are. Um... More or less at the same age. There is a great song from the late '60s, "What Goes Up Must Come Down," by you know the, the band is Tears, Sweat, and Bloods. The spinning wheel song. I don't know if you, if you remember that. Hey, yeah. This is it. You know, it's very you know roller coaster, ups and downs, pandemic and not pandemic, bubble in the in 1999, 2000, and then crash. So. Be focused, try to make the right decisions, surround yourself with the smart and strong people that can challenge you as a, as a leader, take care of your people, be, be honest with them, be transparent with them as much as you can, be laser sharp on the business, focus on not only what to do, but also on what not to do. And also... Hopefully, you will stand in the right lane where luck is being delivered. So, maybe you'll pick the right luck delivery.
0: Exactly. Wise words. Well, thank you very much, Ronnie, for another interview with great insights. It was fun to talk about what's happened in HR tech, what happened to the markets, what happened to your customers, and, and how you reacted to that. Lessons learned. Thanks. Thank you. And this ends my conversation with Ronnie. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Ronnie Zahavi, CEO and co-founder of Hybald. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. For so many decades, so 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.